You suckers, you're back. Welcome back to this podcast. It has a name now. It's called Flicker to Flame, a movie podcast. Flicker to Flame for short, of course, but I had to put the movie in there for branding purposes so people know that it's about movies. Someday soon, I will explain to you why I called this podcast that name, but not going to be today because we have way too much to do. Um, I have a new website. I've been growing up since you've been gone. That website is called flickertoflamepodcast.com. I know that sounds like a lot of letters, but I promise when you type it out and I don't have to spell it for you because you know how to spell all of those words, flicker to flame, nothing clever, flickertoflamepodcast.com. I also have an email address, flickertoflamepodcast at gmail. I think when you're listening to this, I'm hoping that it's going to be on iTunes. Um, If it's not, then I failed. So let's pretend that that's what's happening right now, because that means that I have fulfilled my dreams and that's important to me. And I think that it should be important to you also, because you are the only person listening to this podcast. So a few quick things I want to say. I still am working through the exact format. So far, I know I've been very miscellaneous with what I've been doing here. That's going to continue today. Today is strictly about music in movies. Um, I'm going to talk to you about a little bit of the reason that inspired me to um, focus on this topic today. And then I'm going to jump into a top five list of my favorite movie music moments. And I can't wait. So I hope you're excited. This is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of editing and clips. This should be content rich. And I think that you're going to have a good time. So I'm really excited. Let's start with getting a little bit of music going here. So what you're hearing, this is um, what I was referring to as sort of the reason that I decided to do this particular subject matter today. Um, And it's because I was watching the 2016 Best Picture winner, Moonlight. Yes, just one. You thought we'd be talking about the Oscars today, but we're not. But I do want to tell you that as I was watching this movie and I got into the third act, so this movie is very specifically broken into three acts. All three have very specific life events that take place and happen to a character at three different stages in life. um, That um, are under the moonlight and tied to the moonlight in some way. Um, But in addition, This is just a really lovely, simple story about human connection and how people relate to each other and what we need to feel human. And I thought it was lovely. So if you haven't seen it, you should. But this song you're listening to, okay, so as I heard it, um, all I was reminded of was this scene from the five-year engagement. Um, You remember that movie with Jason Segel and Emily Blunt. And um, there's a scene where Chris Pratt is singing this song really aggressively, like big eyes, like staring at her like he's a crazy person to uh, Alison Brie from Community is his love. And they're sort of the um, secondary couple in the story that wasn't supposed to beat the protagonist to the altar, but they do. And Chris Pratt sings a song to her. And it's one of my favorite scenes from that movie. So when I heard it pop up, in Moonlight, it got me intrigued, and so I had to go find it. Uh, the version that shows up in Moonlight is um, from Catano Veloso, and um, it has also been used in other movies. I was actually surprised this, mu- this music and this song in particular, obviously, is a very mood-generating song, and so it's been used in a lot of different things, um, including um, a Spanish film called Talk to Her that was really famous and popular in 2002, award-winning. 
Um, and um, this song has been recorded by the likes of Julio Iglesias, Joan Baez, Perry Como, Harry Belafonte, Rosemary Clooney, and then of course the Del Rubio triplets. <laughs> Right? Yeah. So um, it's been around. Did I say 1954? Written in 1954 by Tomas Mendez. So um, anyway, I decided I wanted to dig into a little bit into the lyrics of this song and um, pulled up the old translator. So uh, the name of it is Kukurukachu Palama. Uh, the Kukurukachu, yep, I'm not going to say it right because I don't roll my R's. Um, but it's basically referring to um, the coup of a dove, and it's kind of apparently, according to this gentleman who translated it, says um, a mourning dove, so somebody that is lovesick or missing someone that they've lost through um, a various, various of means. You can lose people a lot of different ways, so we're not really sure. Um, the lyric, lyrics are horrific. I mean, let me just, okay, so they say that at night, he simply went through by just crying. They say that he wasn't eating. They swear that the sky itself was vibrating by listening to his weeping. He was suffering for her, and even when he was dying, he was calling her. I, 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 mm -hmm. he was singing. I, 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 he was wailing. I, 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 he was singing. He was dying from mortal passion. Hmm. So, <laughs> there you go. I know that you learned way more about Kukurukachu Palamo than you wanted to today, but I just wanted to start out with this because um, it sort of informs what I want to get into on the podcast today. So, um, let's uh, listen to a little clip of Chris Pratt's version of this song, and then we will jump into our reason for being here in our top five list. you've added this song to your Spotify playlist, I think we're ready to move on to the next part of our podcast because I know it's your new favorite song. So we're going to do a top five list. And the reason that I decided to do this was just revealed. But now let's get into the specifics of how the list was pulled together. Um, so obviously, uh, music plays a big part for me in my movie enjoyment. I enjoy scores and digging into um, the things that make us feel certain ways in certain moments. And it is amazing how um, much music brings people together. And um, I believe that there's probably nothing more spectacular than when a song connects you to what's happening with an image on the screen. Um, that's one of the favorite things to me about movies. And so what I wanted to focus on, there's a lot of ways to talk about movies and music. It gets tricky. Um, so I've really narrowed my list down. I've kind of excluded some things that we're not going to talk about. And uh, so I want to talk about that a little bit. And in the course of talking about what we're not going to talk about, I'm going to talk about some of those things that are on the not talk about list. So see how I did that? It's really clever. Let's get going with this. Um, the different ways to look at music, like I said, one of my soapboxes that I am on sometimes when I can fit on it. Um, <laughs> oh, Deanne. 
<laughs> I know, sorry guys, uh, is and will always be this idea that they are making movies like they used to. I think it's really common, especially as people get into midlife, to think that everything from childhood, teenage years, early 20s was the cat's pajamas and that nobody can do it like they were back then. And that is one of my biggest pet peeves because art evolves and pop culture evolves and there is more going on than ever. It's more accessible than it's ever been and it is more real and powerful than it has ever been. So I feel like if you're one of those people that say that, I want you to keep listening to this podcast because I'm going to break through. I'm going to help you find something that connects you to what's happening right now. Um, so because of that, I decided to focus my time frame for this top five music moment list to the 21st century. So this excludes so many amazing movie moments. You immediately just went, what? Like that's everything. All the John Hughes stuff. Yeah. Jake Ryan leaning against the car in a sweater vest to the Thompson twins. That was not in the 21st century. So I'm not going to talk about that. Um, Wayne's World, Bohemian Rhapsody, we're not going to talk about that. That was 1992. Anything from Dazed and Confused won't make the cut. Anything from The Big Chill, Simple Minds Breakfast Club. No, we're not talking about that. Layla from Goodfellas. People sent me on Facebook that one like six times. I know people love it, but it's not going to make this cut. Stuck in the Middle from West Reservoir Dogs. No, we're not talking about that either. I know you just got sad. You're like, I'm turning this podcast off. There's nothing left for me. But I think you'll be surprised. We're not done yet, okay? Um, But before we jump out of the 20th century, I need to just share a little personal story about me and a movie connection slash music connection that I made when I was just a young girl, probably eight or nine, since this movie came out in 1988. Uh, this is from the deep archives. It's from a much, much lesser known John Hughes movie called She's Having a Baby. You probably didn't see it. It's 34% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't want you to go see this. This is not a recommendation for me to, from me telling you to watch this movie. But what I want to share is that there's a scene in it that I have never forgotten. Um, it's Kevin Bacon, Elizabeth McGovern. Elizabeth McGovern is experiencing trauma with childbirth and the doctor comes out and shares the news to a distraught Kevin Bacon. He's in the waiting room. Uh, He's looking distraught, kind of like when he was like angry dancing and footloose. I mean, maybe not as physical, but the face, you know, and the camera staring was similar. Um, And the song that you're listening to right now just creeps into the background And you move into this montage of this couple, which in in their late 80s, they really just filmed a few scenes with the couple, like their wedding. Um, There was a painting scene where they were painting the nursery that they show in the montage like seven to ten times. Um, At one point in time, Kevin Bacon is just throwing paint at this like eight-month pregnant lady who's just laughing. probably lead paint. I mean, I can't imagine that was good for either of them. They seem to be enjoying themselves. The song is playing, it flashes back to Kevin staring at the screen, and then it comes to the chorus, and I um, just remember, like, immediately thinking, I have to know what this song is. What is this song? This song is one of my favorite songs of all time, and always will be, 
it's from Kate Bush and it's called A Woman's Work. So please do go Spotify that one. You don't have to worry about but I do want you to listen to Kate Bush if you've never heard it before. Well, you're hearing it now. Okay, so there's this phrase in the song. I know you have a little life in you yet. I know you have a lot of strength left. It is literally the most literal reference to what is happening on the screen, with the exception of maybe the Rocky movies, where the song is 100% not ironic, not metaphorical, not cynical, not any of those things. It is just straightforward describing the movie to you. Listen, it's an incredible song. That part hasn't changed. The movie never got any better. Wasn't brought up at the John Hughes Memorium, unfortunately, but it was important to me. And that's, again, that's what goes back to why I love movies so much because nostalgia in particular is such a personal thing for people. So I, uh, wanted to get out of the 80s and usher us into the 21st century officially and let Kate Bush sing us out. criteria is that these aren't and won't be songs that are written for the movie, officially performed by characters in the movie. And so this will exclude any musicals and most importantly, anything that was written specifically for maybe not a musical, but a character in a movie. As an example, the amazing John Carney and his movie Once and the amazing song Falling Slowly, for example, which is a beautiful song which I recommend and probably could show up on a different list if I did one. Um, That's not going to be on this list. The entire Sing Street soundtrack, as far as I'm concerned, would uh, probably fit somewhere nicely, especially Drive It Like You Stole It, which is one of the greatest songs of last year and should have been nominated for an Oscar, but it wasn't. And uh, so neither of those will be on this list. So just know that going in. These are songs essentially that are pre-recorded and then utilized and selected for amazing movie moments in the 21st century to help us transport and transform and learn something about ourselves and the world. So I'm going to start with a runner-up. I have to give this runner-up because I feel like as we get into my list, it's going to be a little sappy. And so I really need to show you guys that I have a cool side and that not everything is just this uh, brooding, meaningful BS. So, no, that is BS. It's not. I'm very passionate about it. So, let me just paraphrase or go back and edit that, probably, is what I'll do. And if I don't, then you get to hear this rambling session. The runner up is a scene from Kingsman The Secret Service. This was a 2014 movie. If you remember it, then you probably like me and you like a good action movie that is stylistic and interesting with a good story. 
But if you really remember it, it's probably because you remember this scene I'm talking about, which is Colin Firth in a church who, and suddenly his killer instincts are triggered and this crazy massacre takes place. He kills everybody inside. Spoiler alert. Sorry, guys. Um, it all happens to Freebird, but it's not like Freebird uh, from the beginning. We're talking like we're six minutes into that piece at this time. I, I'm guessing it's the last minute that this rips into. I mean, all of you Leonard Skinner fans out there are yelling at the podcast right now, telling me probably exactly what minute marker this is happening at. Sorry, guys. Um, but you can hear the violence. I'm not going to play this clip very long because uh, it's not as fun to listen to. But little fact for you, Freebird has been used in a lot of different movies. One of them is Outside Providence. Forrest Gump, Devil's Reject, oh, horrible Rob Zombie movie. Um, Elizabeth Town, which is a Cameron Crowe film, not a very good one, but hey, little hint, we might be getting to Cameron Crowe in a minute. Um, and yeah, some some reasonably well-known titles there where we've heard Freebird before. So that's my runner-up. Number five on our list is from my favorite Wes Anderson movie, The Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, great movie, great soundtrack all around. Um, this is a 2001 movie, so we made the cut. And it's a great movie about um, a family that reunites. They're eccentric, they're fun to watch. Uh, and this particular scene that you're going to hear in the background is Luke Wilson and Gwyneth Paltrow reuniting. The adult Margot Tenenbaum is meeting up with Richie, her adopted brother, She's getting off a bus. She's got some serious dark eyeliner. He had made a request for his usual escort, the one from his days on the circuit, to meet him at the pier by way of the Green Line bus. As always, she was like... This song and this reunion um, go together really nicely. They set the stage for a really important part of the movie. And so I chose it because I feel like it stands out in the memory banks and just reminds me not only of a really great movie music collection but also of a really cool scene. This is from 2001. Number four, we're moving right along. This is exciting. I hope that you're not yelling at the podcast saying, I have 75 greater ideas than you, because remember, some of this is personal. This is my list. Haha, <laughs> I'm in control. Number four is from one of my favorite movies of the last 10 years, which is called Celeste and Jesse Forever. It's from 2012. Um, it came out, I think, the year of the writer strike, so sad for this movie. I think a lot of people missed it when I ask people about it. Oftentimes, it's not one that they've seen, and it's one that I watch at least once a year. In fact, I just revisited it. Um, this was Rashida Jones uh, deciding to write a screenplay with Will McCormick, and I'm so glad that they did because it was such a good movie. Uh, the music that you're listening to is the opening credits, um, and it's a song by Lily Allen called The Littlest Things. And um, what's basically happening on screen during this time is 
we're talking montage again. We're going to talk about those a little bit today. Um, but in this montage, you have Andy Samberg and Rashida Jones falling in love, getting married, doing all the happily ever after stuff, sort of before the movie starts. Um, and then in just a minute, you're going to hear it cut to them also singing along and hear a little bit of an exchange between the two of you, two of you, two of them <laughs> that highlights the relationship they have with each other um, and what this movie sort of turns into, which is actually a divorced couple who is not really ready to say goodbye to their friendship, um, but wasn't able to make their marriage work. Um, and it was just a really interesting premise that takes you to a new place of exploring relationships, I think, from the perspective of what does and keep what brings people together, what keeps people together. You know, there's romance, there's laughter, there's partnership, there's compatibility, there's true intimacy and really knowing each other. There are all these different factors. Sometimes relationships, if you're lucky, have all of those and sometimes they don't. And this um, kind of magically portrays so many of those elements at different stages in the relationship. And it's funny and it's heartbreaking. Please see it if you haven't. Um, really, I love this movie. It's called Celeste and Jesse Forever. And the song is Littlest Things by Lily Allen. It's my number four. Dreams of when we had just started things. Dreams of me and you. Nice. It seems and seems that I can share my memories. I wonder if you feel the same way, too. Girl, I do. Oh, shit. This is Time in a Bottle by Jim Croce. The first thing that I'd like to do is to save every day. Apparently, it's cheap. If you're yelling at the podcast right now, please just send me an email and tell me that you're mad at me. Um, you know this song, it's been around for a long time. I'm playing it for you because. It's part of my number three movie music scene of the 21st century, and I'm gonna get out of the sap and get back into the action. Um, the best scene in the movie X-Men Days of Future Past was to this particular song. This is the character of Quicksilver, which may or may not be related to Magneto. I think we maybe know that now. I don't know, I don't wanna spoil anything for you, but he has the ability to control time, and there's a cool action scene that takes place to this song where time stands still for a minute. He runs around creating mayhem so that when time unfreezes, the bad guys go down, good guys are saved. Um, it's really fun. It's funny. It's so memorable. I, It's so memorable that it almost transcends this movie. I remember leaving the theater, loving the movie so much, and going back and re-watching it and realized that what I really loved was this scene and this character the most. And that's a pretty powerful connection, I think. And the connection between the song and what's happening on screen from an action movie standpoint is um, a big deal. And it stood out to me, so I'm sharing it with you. Go back and watch it or go on YouTube. You can watch all of these on YouTube like I did. Um, and it's just really cool and fun. Number three, Jim Croce's Time in a Bottle as part of X-Men Days of Future Past from 2014. Okay, number two, um, we are going to talk about a movie called 500 Days of Summer. 
the song, there's so many good songs in this movie. Again, it's one of those music movies. But um, the one I want to talk about is by Regina Spector. It's a song called Hero. And if you have seen this movie, you'll remember it quite well. It's the expectation versus reality clip that takes place between what Tom thinks is happening in his relationship and how Summer perceives things, or even better, not how she perceives them, but actually how they really happen. Let me rephrase that. Um, it is brilliant. Um, it, this movie is brilliant. You know, like Celeste and Jesse, it really captures kind of the pleasure and pain of falling in love. Um, and music is such a big part of that. You know, music is so um, powerful when you're going through that process of discovering somebody and their likes and tastes and who they are. Um, and it's so powerful when you're losing things um, and trying to connect to the world um, through heartbreak and music becomes an outlet for that. So that's why I think it plays so well in some of these relationship-based movies. Um, this was uh, directed by Mark Webb, who actually did the last two amazing Spider-Man movies. <laughs> um, but we're excited because I was looking at his IMDb today, and he's got a bunch of projects in the pipe that seem to be maybe more related to his roots and what he did here with this really fantastic movie. Uh, this is different than Celeste and Jesse in terms of how it's edited. It's uh, kind of a time um, piece that is mixed up in these 500 days from when they come together and when the relationship eventually ends. And I'm not spoiling anything because you learn pretty fast that that happens. Um, and all these different vignettes of things that happen during the course of those 500 days. Um, this particular one, I wish I could remember what day it was. I should probably go back and look and tell you, but um, it's a scene where he's trying to figure out if there's any chance of this thing happening for them again. And she invites him over um, and he gets built up for what that meeting is going to be. And um, you watch this scene unfold to this Regina Spector song. The song is called Hero. And you watch his expectations on one half of the screen. And then obviously reality unfold right before you. Um, and it is Super cool, guys. I'm just going to do a little narrative for you. We're going to listen to this, and I'm going to tell you what's happening, and you're going to get a feel for sort of what this is all about. And then I'm really hoping, if you haven't watched this in a while or have never seen the movie 500 Days of Summer, that you will watch it because you won't be sorry. Really great. All right, so get started. Tom walked to her apartment, intoxicated by the promise of the evening. He believed that this time, his expectations would align with reality. Okay, so we have his expectations and reality. They're both walking up to the door. She answers, and when she's so excited to see him, she has that smile that you have when you really love someone and you've missed them. And then in the second screen, she opens the door and gives him a really awkward hug and the pat. You guys all know the pat, um, and it's clear that reality um, is that she's already expecting this encounter to be uncomfortable. And then they walk in, there's a party going on, he gives her a gift. They're outside at the party, and in his well, expectations, they're sitting in the corner uh, having one of those conversations that you have when you're first meeting someone, and you're just so into each other. 
what made you go from one to the other? I guess I just figured, why make something disposable like a building when you can make something that lasts forever, like a greeting card? <laughs> and then, um, in reality, he's telling these jokes to these people, and she's awkwardly hanging out and looking at him with um, almost a little bit of pity. Now they're um, in his expectations, hanging out on the patio again, alone, spending time together, looking close to a potential kiss, walking off together, they're going to have some fun, he goes and makes himself a drink because he's drinking alone, because that's what's really happening. Sees her showing someone her engagement. I'm the hero of the story. Don't need to be saved. I'm the hero of the story. Don't need to be saved. I'm the hero of the story. Don't need to be saved. I'm the hero of the story. Don't need to be saved. I'm the hero of the story. This is hard. <laughs> Every time I watch it. Whew. I mean, just hearing it, right? Sad. Such a good movie. This is 500 Days of Summer. The song is called Hero by Regina Spector. And that's it for number two. Ladies and gentlemen, the evening is over. We hope you all enjoyed yourselves and we'll see you all again in 1974. Good evening! Thank you guys for being here. 
This is Deanne Kiazeze. This is the Flicker to Flame podcast. No, I'm not telling you why I called it that yet. It is a lot of Fs, but uh, I'm not I'm not doing it yet. You'll have to wait for that. You'll have to come back for more. Um, I hope you enjoyed today. I hope you sang along. I hope you were reminded of some things that you enjoyed and maybe have some ideas of some movies and some powerful music moments that maybe you missed that you get to revisit. Thanks, guys.